Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly sermon podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. So every, every year at this time, the first Sunday, I always ask the Lord for a specific word for 2024 or a specific word for that year. And I, I have been hearing from the Lord over and over again the word serve. And I want to spend this month talking to you about you will not grow if you will not serve. Okay, so I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to look at him and say, I want you to grow. I need you to grow. So I'm asking you to serve. Now, so what we want to look at is how Jesus immediately began to send his disciples out to serve. He didn't just say, stay with me until I send you the Holy Spirit. He sent them out to serve. Now, I like it when you read with me, and I like how nicely you all read. It's really lovely. So let's read God's word together as the church. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice, spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So turn to your neighbor. We're going to say verse 19 to each other. All right. Jesus has given you Authority. Authority. Say it one more time. Jesus has given you authority. To do what? To trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Can you say that one more time? Nothing. Now, this might be the only example of leadership training done by Jesus. But this is definitely leadership training. 
And so what he does is he sends him out to do exactly what he had been doing. Now, you could say if he had only done this with the 12, that this was unique and it was for the apostles. But we don't even know who these 72 are. And so they were, they were you and they were me. Now, look at your neighbor again, because I like it when you do this. All right, and say this. He is sending you out to do exactly what he had been doing. See, one of the, one of the big problems that many of us have is we compartmentalize. And we say, well, I do my work, or I teach class, or I do whatever job I do, and then I go to church and I serve. No. When you're teaching, you're serving. It depends, though, are you doing it in his name or in your name? When you're a doctor, when you're a medical professional, are you healing in his name or in your name? The other thing is, I mean, even if you have one of the jobs you hate, but if you do it in his name, everything changes. And you, can I just tell you something? If you have a terrible job, that's telling you that's not forever. But it will be forever if you stay ungrateful, unyielding, and you don't do it in his name. Because whatever he sends you out to do, he gives you the same power. Whatever he sends you out to do, he gives you the same ability. They were shocked by that. You you understand? When they came back, they go, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, they're really excited, but they're also shocked because they didn't know it was going to happen. Lord told them it was going to happen, but they didn't know till they experienced it. But once they experienced it, they were shocked by it. They were surprised by it, but they were full of joy with it. Now, there's really two surprises in this passage. The one is the disciples' reaction. They're surprised. But Jesus' response is even in some ways more unexpected. Because basically, if you paraphrase, it comes down to this. Jesus says, I once knew someone who was more holy, more beautiful, more noble, who was far greater in power than any of you. And Jesus says he made a mistake that drastically changed everything. You understand what he's saying here? So what I'd like to do is over the next two weeks, talk about the power to serve, but also what you're not powered to do. So it's easy for Christians to serve making the same mistake that Satan made. That's what Jesus, I'm not saying that. Mike's not saying that. Jesus is saying that. That's why he, he's not obviously friends He sent them to cast out demons, so he's not upset they cast out demons. Okay? He knew they would cast out demons, so he's not surprised that they cast out demons. What he's dealing with is their hearts and what happened to them once they did cast out demons. 
Now, let me, let me unpack that a little bit. See, in your life and in my life, we do not know the evil motivations, the prideful motivations, the ego motivations that are still there. But Jesus does. And sometimes your worst character defects don't come out when things are bad. They actually come out when things are going well. So even when things are going well, we, and we tend to say, if it's going well, we must be blessed. So I must be doing something right. I remember one time playing with this guy, and I made a, a putt on the golf course. He goes, you must be praying right. No, I'm just putting right. You know, the idea is somehow if, if you got everything together, then everything goes right for you. And Jesus has to confront us even when we are successful. Yes, he does. And sometimes he confronts us the most when we're successful because we listen the least. Now, here is why. Is Jesus wants to give you real joy, true and lasting joy, and you and I sometimes do not have the appetite for lasting joy. I've said this over and over again, but I cannot eat pizza in the South. <laughs> I grew up in the South. I cannot eat that bread with pet ketchup on it any longer. Once you have the real thing, you don't get satisfied by the inauthentic. Do you know every pizza shop in Atlanta says New York pizza? They're all lying. <laughs> but you know, people will tell me, you know, it tastes really like New York. And then if you taste it, you go, no, it doesn't. You see, what you have to decide is, are you, are you a person that's willing to have an appetite for true and lasting joy? Or do you just have an appetite for ketchup and bread? Are you hearing me? It's making me hungry, actually. <laughs> so what is he saying here? Well, number one, he's saying, what is the basis of your joy? What they're saying, and this is true of all of us as believers, we begin to get joyful when we see miraculous signs. Or we get joyful when we see extraordinary works. Now, should those cause joy? Yes but they're not the basis of your joy. If you never see another healing, you still have a basis for joy. If you don't see another miraculous sign, you still have the basis for joy if your joy is in the Lord. But more important than that, do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, have you realized that the better thing has happened to you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And even if today it feels like you're moving backwards, the name doesn't get erased. Because the one who put it in there doesn't have an eraser. He wrote it in his own blood. And not only that, but the scripture says he's tattooed your name on his hand. I mean, I've seen people try to get rid of tattoos. It's pretty hard. But the Lord's engraving is permanent. 
He's engraved you on his hand and on his heart. But you see, you and I were saying, well, that's great, Mike, but I really want a new job. That's great, Mike, but I want a girlfriend. Or, that's great, Mike, but, you know, I, I really wish I, didn't, I wasn't married to this person or whatever it is. You see, if the basis of your joy doesn't start from the inside out, then you will be destroyed from the outside in. It is an amazing thing to cast out demons. It is a wonderful and exciting and an affirming thing, but it's not the main thing about your relationship with Jesus. And so really what he's saying here is what you rejoice in reveals what you really believe is the sweetness of your life. I grew up with this song. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day I love him more and more. Just a kid's song. But wasn't it trying to tell me what I really wasn't realizing as a kid? Because to me, sweetness was not Jesus. Because Jesus seemed like the one who was keeping me from my fun. You know, I was taught a God who was very vindictive, very angry with us, very disappointed with us. And so I lived obedience out of fear, which didn't make me love Jesus. And I would sing that song, Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before. And I'm like, man, that's a load of crap. (laughs) Because it doesn't feel sweeter. You see, if you're doing something you don't want to do, it'll never be sweet. It's only when the main thing becomes the main thing. I am his and he is mine. And then you begin to say, because I am his and he is mine, you begin to realize, what has he done for me to put my name in that book? He didn't put my name in that book because there was something extraordinary about me. He put my name in that book because he took the price so I could be in the book. And so until that's sweet to you, then every day with Jesus is not sweeter than the day before. And obedience will not be sweet. But see, once you go, wait a minute. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I know what it took to get my name there. And I know all he asked of me was to receive what he did for me. And all he asked of me is to love him in a way in response to how much he has loved me. And so then you see obedience is not drudgery. It's life. And it's life giving. And guess what happens when obedience becomes sweetness and intimacy with Jesus becomes the main thing? The demons run from you. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a place in Acts where this these sons of Sceva are going around and they're casting out demons in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And the demons look at these sons of Sceva and say, well, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but we don't know who you are. And they destroy these guys. You see, you and I can have intimacy with Jesus and guess what? Not only will the demons know you, but they'll fear you. 
instead of you fearing them. Because here's the, here's the thing. If you make the main thing the main thing, then all kinds of other ways of serving the Lord begin to happen. Amen. I once heard about this 18-year-old girl who was amazing at deliverance and amazing at healing. She had no theological education. She, she was coming out of a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and promiscuous sex and all kind of things. And so these people were seeing that this young girl had an amazing skill and an amazing giftedness in all of these extraordinary signs of the Holy Spirit. And so her pastor, where she went to church, went and asked her, well, tell me about how you're accomplishing all these amazing things. And she said, nobody ever loved me like Jesus. And then she said, and he asked me to pray for the sick. And because I love him, I do it. See, she's not trying to get results. She's living out of intimacy with Jesus and the results follow. She's serving because she loves him. Serving because every day with him is sweeter And out of that sweetness, she rejoices in him, and the demons have to flee. Now, this is making sense to me. Maybe I'm the only one that matters. But is it making sense to any of you? You see, if I just say, serve him, you'll run off and do dumb things. But if I say, he teaches us how to serve him, before he tells us what to serve in. If you run off and serve in without knowing how to serve, you'll make more of a mess than there was before. What happens to so many of us is we're so insecure in our identity that we start to use our gifts as our identity prop-ups. Look at me, I can heal people. Look at me, I can preach. Look at me, I can teach. Do you understand? None of those are identity foundational elements. Those are manifestations of your identity, but they are not your identity. You can perform because you're accepted. You're not performing to get acceptance. But when you rejoice and when your sweetness is found in your performance, then basically what you're doing is you're saying, I'm using what I have to make a name for me. That's been done before. I saw Satan fall, Jesus said. He had amazing gifts. He had incredible beauty. If you had seen him, you would think, holy is this creature. But then he said, I will lift myself up. You see, when you say my gifts or my talents are what make me special, what makes my name, then what you're doing is you're lifting yourself up. Now, how how can you test this? It's pretty easy. If people criticize you, does it destroy you? If people fail to appreciate you, does it destroy you? 
If people fail to affirm you or if they do affirm you, do you go, yeah, you're right. I am God's gift. It is so easy, you see, friends, if you lift yourself up, then you are going, even if you see extraordinary things happen, you're going to feel like you've fallen to a very deep place. My biggest example of this, I was in Colombia, and I was preaching in this one church. It was a Thursday night in Cali, Colombia. There were hundreds of people there, and I did a pretty bad job preaching. And a few people came forward to receive Christ. And there was something in me that was like, this doesn't seem like all that God wants to do tonight. And so the pastor came up and he said, would you be willing to pray for people? So I gave an invitation for people to be prayed for. 300 people came to the altar. All of them wanting me to pray for them. I'm looking out and saying, how am I going to pray for 300 people? And uh, the Lord said, just pray for them one at a time. And so as I began to pray for each one, if they had a pain, I felt it in my body. I would pray for them. And as I prayed for them, my pain would go, their pain would go. Numerous ones were were demonized. I saw them completely delivered. We saw the glory of God fill every person who came forward for prayer in a miraculous way, every single one of them. And while it was happening, I actually did pray for every one of them. I didn't leave till after one o'clock at night. I prayed for every single one of them. Every one of them got healed, delivered, or set free in some way. I had never had a night like it before. I've never had one like it since. And all the time it was happening, I could feel the presence of the Lord, but it wasn't just his presence, it was his compassion. So here there was the compassion of the Lord meeting the pain of the people, and he was using a very fallible instrument. Well, as I started telling the story, because I was the only gringo there, (laughs) as I was telling the story, because one of the things that happened is I suddenly could speak Spanish like I'd never spoken it before. And I could understand Spanish, every single thing they were saying. And I could understand everything they weren't saying. So that it was just this this meeting of the Holy Spirit in this amazing moment. Now, when I came back, I started going, you know, Jesus healed these people. And I started thinking, yeah, but I was there too. And I started talking about how I did this and how I figured out that and how I laid hands like this and how this happened, how I knew just the right thing to say. And suddenly it was less Jesus and it was a whole lot more Mike. Now, the Lord dealt with me on that. He broke me. He sent me into a a depression so that I would listen carefully to his voice. You see, again, even when things are going well, he has to rebuke us when the motives aren't right. So what was happening there is I was still insecure in my identity and I was trying to prove that I had some worth in and of myself. And it is easy to think you have worth if you say, I pray for people and they get healed. I pray for people, they get delivered. Man, all you need is me. And as soon as that's happening, you have put yourself in a lifted up place that has to come down. 
and the Lord was so gracious to me. And instead of just, instead of just rebuking me, he actually revealed to me such deep woundedness of my ego that I had, I had to use something else for my sweetness. I had to use something else for my joy. And I have never, I, he did such a work that I've never had to go back to that. I mean, after all, what do we have that we have not received? I mean, if you serve in the name of Jesus, then it's really Jesus serving through you. Look at what he says. If they accept you, they accept me. He has a unique partnership when you let him have that partnership. He has a unique partnership that he says, if they accept you, they accept me. If they reject you, they reject me. If they reject you, they're not just rejecting me, they're rejecting the one who sent me. You see, your service is a bigger deal than you've realized. But first you have to say, my name is written. My name is written. You know what Satan does? He'll accuse you and say, you did this and you did that. And you go, but my name is written. You didn't, you had this opportunity God gave you, but you didn't take it. Yeah, but my name is written. You saw healing. Yeah, but the big thing is my name is written. Are you hearing me? So will you, you listen to me today, first and foremost, I'm not telling you I'm not telling you to change what you're doing. I'm telling you to be certain who you're doing it for and in whose name you're doing it. You know, he's good at assignments, but he's not going to give you the assignment you dream of until your ego is broken. Because if you're still having to lift you up, he still has to bring you down. Here's the thing I've learned, though. It's a lot better on the ground. And sometimes my depression has actually been a friend, not an enemy. Because it's revealed to me that I had expectations. I had idealized. I had visions of myself that were not accurate. And what I've learned is if I will humble myself at the proper time, he will exalt me. 